take the mindset that you are a business person first, really, and an artist second. And that may not resonate with a lot of people, but that's, I really feel like that's the truth of the matter is you really have to protect your own interests. You have to price yourself accordingly and you have to be a business. Hello there and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick. I'm your host and, you know, I like to show gratitude because, you know, without you, this show simply wouldn't exist in the way that it does. The feedback that comes through to the show each and every day just makes me stop and think how lucky I am to be your host and to be able to serve you in the ways that we do on the My Future Business Show with the wonderful people that we do have the opportunity to speak with. Now, talking about wonderful people on today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming artist, business owner, and coach Paula Prinzi to the show. Welcome to the show, Paula. Hi, thank you for having me so much. Absolutely, a pleasure. I, when I was listening to your shows, one of the things that I really enjoyed was just how you managed to keep the audience's attention, um, you know, with your questions and everything is People are very engaged. Yes, absolutely. There is certainly an audience out there that, uh, like you say, is very engaged and that feedback that we receive makes a lot of difference, not only for me as the host, but for um, the guests as well, because they do follow up and there's things that happen after the show that help help people's businesses grow. And that's essentially what we're all about. Now, you and I, were going to be talking about uh, how creatives can better market themselves on lives and how they can create more time freedom uh, quickly so they can come, become more profitable and go on to live their best lives but before we do any of that I'm wondering Paula if you could tell us a little bit about yourself where you're located so I am in Zephyr Hills Florida <laughs> um, it's actually in central Florida it's actually just outside of Tampa so it's about about a half an hour to an hour outside of Tampa just depending upon uh, yep where you'd be located now tell me a little bit about the weather there. Is it is that is that subject to some pretty wild weather occasionally over there? And some beautiful weather too. But we are far enough inland that we don't get like the brunt of the hurricanes. Right. Um, most of the time. So we usually get some of the high winds and some of the rain. So we've been very fortunate the last few years. I think uh last fall we were supposed to get uh, a really bad storm that was aiming right for us and oh. fortunately it you know or unfortunately because it did a lot of damage in <laughs> yeah, yeah. the sarasota area but it went just north of us I'm a, I'm a cold weather type of guy what about you um i'm the opposite i love warm weather so i'm living in the right climate uh, yeah. <laughs> the only thing i maybe don't care for down here is some of the humidity it's very humid <laughs> now i can tell that you have pets you have a love of pets now i have a ever since i can remember growing up i've always had pets have you always had pets no, no. i had a pet fish <laughs> <laughs> hard to look after yeah, my mom, well, she, my mom wasn't really keen on me having animals because I don't, I think she felt like she was going to end up doing the cleaning up after them. And so <laughs> um, I have more than made up for it as an adult. <laughs> I can imagine. Now, but oh, I do find that, uh, you know, having a, a pet and able to just sit there and be quiet with them really brings me back down and calms me and centers me. Do you find that? Oh, I, I totally agree. They are stress relievers. Um and healers too. I think they mm -hmm. just like they really are meant to um, ground us and take away some of our stress. And I think we grow as a person too when you are caring for another animal because not only are you more compassionate, but 
you just, you, I became more patient. I became a lot more patient. Nice. Um, you have to learn that they can't speak with you. You know, they can't talk to you like a regular human. So you have to really look at their behavior and um, try to interpret it, you know, what it is that they're thinking or feeling. Yes, absolutely. Now tell me, I know that you're very busy. Do you have much time to do anything for yourself? Do you have any hobbies and things you like to do? Okay, that's a great question. So when I am not uh, photographing clients, I usually try to make time to do some personal work um, because that is a whole different thing, creating art for clients versus creating just for self-satisfaction. You know, and of course I do all of the normal things like hang out with my friends or, yep. you know, go out to eat and all of those things. Socialize, I guess. I yeah, yeah. Now, I'm a, I'm a big um, movie uh, buff. I enjoy science fiction myself. What types of movies do you like? Do you even watch movies? Oh my gosh, yeah. I am a movie buff. I watch but... tons and tons of movies because what else do you do when you're editing photos? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I actually love um, not only watching movies, but uh, when I'm editing videos and the likes, I also have music on in the background. I, I find that it helps me just to completely get into that zone. Do you find that you get into a zone when you listen to music? I tend to listen, listen to it more when I'm with clients than ah. anything else. Um, but I do enjoy listening to music. I, I like to listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of Audible. Um, I really like listening to books because then I can multitask. So <laughs> even if I'm just cleaning up around the house, then I feel like I'm still expanding my mind and growing yes podcasts have that tendency to be uh, you know the performance in the pocket as i like to say because there's just so much mm -hmm. to to take from it you can take it literally with the technology that we've got uh we can take it with us anywhere that we are you know i don't know about if uh, if it's affected you as much but when i was growing up i never had the same sort of technology and tell us a little bit about what life was like for you when you were growing up Oh, man, I'm going to show my age here. <laughs> so <laughs> I grew up in the era of cassettes, like where you hold your radio up or your cassette up to the radio, you, could, you know, tape record your favorite song and play it back. Um, music was a really big part of my life then because, I mean, that was like I used to have a buddy that would come over and he was a boy like my mom and his mom were friends. So. Mm -hmm. He'd come over and he'd bring all like the heavy metal stuff and we'd be like jamming out in my room. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the um, best times of our lives, aren't they? Yes, exactly. And I mean, like I grew up, I was in college when the first, when cell phones first started to get a little bit smaller. Yep. Um, you know, they were still like, you know, I saw it was still like eight inches. It was like a huge Nokia. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was still the size of a brick. <laughs> <laughs> Just a mini house brick. <laughs> now, I tell you, um, what I did notice about those times is that there seemed to be a lot more um, freedom. Did you get the same levels of freedoms that I experienced? The only rule oh, I had was so true, get home. We are so hooked to our laptops and our phones these days. I mean, nobody goes anywhere without their phone, you know, no. so it's almost like you're being you're always expected to be available. Always on, yeah. Now, um, did you have any formative people in your life, like through those formative years, who, who was in your life that you can remember that really had an impact on the way you think today, do you think? There have been a lot of people, I think. Mm. Um, 
I guess, you know, in my mind, the first person that would come to mind is my English teacher because everybody thought I was going to grow up to be a writer. <laughs> um, but I do find that, like, creative people do have multi-talents. So, but um, she was a big person in my life. Like, I just felt like she put forth a positive example. She made me want to go to college and made me want to um, really just create. Yep. Like, that it was okay to, to be creative. Now, tell me about your daily routine. What does that look like? Are you an early riser? I'm not. I try not to be. <laughs> um, I'm more of a, well, kind of. I mean, I guess it depends on what you, you consider early. I'm usually up by about 7 or 7.30 most days. I am not one of those crack of dawn people. And I think I just tend to do it because, or I tend to feel that way because when I did work a corporate job, I always had to be up at the crack of dawn, so or before. So now I, you know, purposely get up later just because I can. <laughs> um, you know, like I feel like that's part of, you know, having a flexible schedule. So, but I do have a little bit of a routine. Typically, I will get up and check my emails and answer any client questions or inquiries that come in. Typically, um, you know, and then I as we all do as entrepreneurs, we look to see, you know, what needs to be worked on first, you know, what's going to make the most income first, mm -hmm. yep. <laughs> you know, whether that's finishing up a client order or, you know, setting up um, phone consultations so that I can book more clients. Yeah, that's the way it is. You know, it's, it's very interesting. You find a lot of startup entrepreneurs, they focus on the wrong things, don't they? Let's get a logo. Let's get an office. What do you focus oh, on yeah. when you started? Did you do the same thing or what, what can the audience learn from your experience, do you think? I mean, I started off part time. Like it really was. So when I first started, I started photography back in 2009 mm -hmm. and I literally was just, what it was is I was doing like pinup photography. I was just I had my own pinup photos done, like they were retro pinup, mm -hmm. and I wanted to bring the experience to other women, and I said, I need to build my portfolio. So the way for me to do that was I actually decided to create a pinup calendar for charity. So I'd put an ad on Craigslist, again, dating myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went on Craigslist, and I, I literally found models, and so, you know, I did 12 different shoots. And I would go to their, you know, to the whatever location it was. We would set up a theme. I'd do their hair and their makeup. And I did the whole thing. Um, but by the time I was done, I had a ton of experience and a really good portfolio. So at that point, um, you know, I had gone ahead and created like a logo. Um, you know, word to the wise, it is wise to hire a graphic designer to do your logo. <laughs> my, yes. my logo, you know, underwent several changes throughout the years um, because I realized that the logo that I first had wasn't professional. So, <laughs> but anyway, yes, I had, I had a website, I had a logo and I know, I think I did those things first before I built my portfolio. Um, yeah, but wow. I do remember like really diving into, to things because once I really got into it, I thought, how am I going to transition to a full-time business? You know, I can't make it doing $300 photo shoots. Uh, you know, how am I going to get these clients in the door? And so then I really started to think about photography more as a business versus a hobby. And I think that's the, the one of the keys to being a successful artist is that you really have to take the mindset that you are a business person first, really, and an artist second. Um, 
and that may not resonate with a lot of people, but that's, I really feel like that's the truth of the matter is you really have to, you have to protect your own interests. You have to price yourself accordingly and you, you have to be a business. Yeah, absolutely. Great feedback. Thank you so much. Now, I, I know that you've had a great deal of success, but on the flip side to every coin, there's a downside. Have you ever experienced, um, I guess, some level of failure and what did it teach you? Do you think? Oh gosh, I, I've experienced failure quite a bit. <laughs> um, I think a really good example of when I was first starting out was I decided to run a Groupon, like, (laughs) and I didn't do it. There are ways to run a Groupon profitably. I just didn't do it the right way. Uh, Groupon was brand new, and um, I had contacted Groupon. They, you know, they said, well, let's do it, but they really wanted me to knock down my price, like, a lot. They were like, you're going to need to, like, make it under 100 bucks so people can impulse buy. I sold probably a couple hundred of these Groupons. I was working a full-time job at the time. So here I was renting a studio, which I was already costing me money. Mm-hmm. Um, I was almost paying people to take their photos because I had to shoot back to back. So I would, I would schedule like two to three sessions on Saturdays and Sundays and shoot them back to back. Wow. Um, and I did so many, like I had a certain number like that didn't cash theirs in but I think I probably did around 150 Groupons. It was insane. And I said, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> um, uh, did it teach you much about the actual artistry behind it? You know, did like you hone your craft and you get better the more you practice. How important was that side of it? That oh yeah, it definitely did. I mean, cause I didn't, I didn't know anything about hair and makeup. I couldn't afford to, to pay a hair and makeup artist with yeah. what I was charging. Mm-hmm. So, I had no choice. It was trial by fire to learn the <laughs> hair and the, makeup and the, the vintage uh, hair and makeup styling. Yeah. So that was a big um, learning curve. Um, I learned how to do studio photography, which I had, you know, some knowledge of how to light. It was mostly working with constant light. I really didn't know, like, uh, the ins and outs of studio photography. So, again, you know, by the time I was done, I had learned quite a bit, um, you know, and still evolving and learning stuff to this day as we all are. I think anybody that's worth their salt and anybody that has any um, experiences, you know, you want to continue to learn. Yeah. We are forever a student. I'd like to be the fly on the wall, you know, on those early days for you. Was there many nerves involved? Did you get nervous? Did you think, what am I doing? Did you ever go through any of that? I think I did get nervous, but I got more nervous, I think, sometimes when it came down to, um, like, the hair and the makeup portion of it, because I felt like, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing. But I thought, I can't take that tack. I cannot let them, I can't let them see the fear. (laughs) (laughs) So the more I did it, the more confident I got with it. And, you know, I would get nervous if I had, you know, if I faced, like, a situation that I hadn't encountered before, um, or maybe dealing with, you know, clients that weren't like the most reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> they exist. Um, yes. I mean, I'm sure you've dealt with it before. We've all had, I'm, you, you can't be in business without having somebody that's unhappy once in a while. You can't mm-hmm. please everybody. That's true. So you really have to learn how to hone your people skills. That is another, you know, business lesson, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Loving this feedback. Now, I know in terms of talking about client, who is your ideal client today? Has it changed? Oh, yes, definitely. So, I mean, even the type of photography that I do has changed. So, 
I went from doing like retro pinup to like more modern, like what I call modern boudoir where the ladies come in and they're buying albums for their significant others is, you know, birthday presents or anniversaries, or they're just doing it for themselves um, to celebrate like a weight loss milestone. So I still have those clients. I still do the, the boudoir photography, but as a fine art photographer, um, you know, my client now is, is somebody that's looking for wall art for their home. Um, they're looking to collect art. Mm-hmm. You know, I also have, I also offer business coaching. So my client there is to help a creative professional hone, you know, and grow their skills both personally and professionally as well. So creatives could be, you know, graphic designer, other artists, art gallery owners, um, of course, other photographers, yes, interior designers, makeup artists, sculptors, wellness professionals that want to hold retreats even, because yep. I am looking to do... Um, Hopefully my first retreat within the next six months. <laughs> yeah, wow, that's all very exciting. I know that you also yeah. have uh, done virtual expos. Tell us a little bit about that. Are you still doing those? And what are they like to operate? Yes. So I have a website called virtualwomensexpo.com. Um, and it's mainly, right now, it's still mainly focused on um, women run, or women-owned small businesses and they run the gamut from like physical made items to like like organic cookies to you know coaching um, where you've got wellness coaches and relationship coaches and a lot of these ladies it's just amazing to see the amount of talent um, that's out there and the wisdom that they can provide um, so I, on this website basically i probably got like 20 or 30 speakers on there and the idea is that I'm going to try to keep doing these expos so I can keep adding you know and adding fresh yep. content for ladies to consume and I, I may not, I may open it up to you know both male and female mm-hmm. but I tend to have more female clients I think than men clients that makes or male sense. clients yep. because that's what my body of work is um you know I think as a female entrepreneur that's probably what women relate to I can tell that, uh, you know, given the craft that you're involved with and your type of clientele, that there'd be a need for you to forge real relationships that bring out, uh, I guess, a level of trust between you and your client. How important is relationships and trust in what you do? Um, I would argue that it's probably our, you could apply that to any niche because there's always that no like and trust factor. But Mm. um, certainly it is important. And I always say as an artist, if you are looking to... um, become a full-time artist, you really want to get out there and network because it increases your visibility um, to not only to other artists, but to potential buyers. Um, You can get referrals, of course. People will send you referrals. Uh, They'll suggest projects to you. Um, And it's really just about, it's it's all, it's like they say, I can't get the saying, I can't get the words out. You know, (laughs) it is like that saying, it's all about who you know. Yes. So um, just as an example um, of networking, and I, I bring that up because a lot of us art, artists are introverts and we don't especially love networking. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, te- I, it takes a lot of energy, I think, to go out into a group of people and start conversations and maintain conversations. 
but it is so important because you're going to make those connections with the gallery owners, mm-hmm. people that are hosting art exhibits. You're going to other artists are going to tell you about those exhibits that are going on um, and those events that you want to be at so that you can be seen. Yep. Um, you know, and as an example of networking, like just the other day, um, I am taking the lead on a retreat where I get to basically lead the art portion of the retreat. So I'm super excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just goes to show, like, had I not made this connection with this person, I might not have gotten that job. No. Yeah. It's funny how, you know, one door opens, another one closes, and the, the decisions that you make can take you down a certain path. Now, I'd love to talk about branding a little bit. Now, we've got obviously two types of branding. You've got the more corporate branding, but then you've got personal branding. How important yeah. is it for you to create a positive image of both yourself and I guess that corporate level of branding? Is it Are they both important or one more than the other, do you think? Oh, that's a great question. Um, so I always say we, when you have a service-based business, and especially as a, an, as an artist, you are your brand. Mm. So it's not just having, it's not a, a website and a logo, you know, mm-hmm. you also have to, you talk in a, most of us speak in a certain style. Um, we usually, our work hopefully is cohesive enough. You want to have like a you know, you want your work to be a cohesive brand of work that it's, you know, recognizable, that you have a recognizable style. So the biggest thing is, is when you're developing your brand is visibility and you want people to see you. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of get out there and not only talk about um, your work, but to let people see you and get to know you. Um, so maybe personal branding is especially at least in my line of work more important than corporate branding because I can sell artwork without a website. I don't have to have a website. Um, yeah. I think it's helpful, yeah. <laughs> you know? um, but it's probably not necessary. Yeah. Fantastic feedback. Thank you so very much. Now in terms of running a business, there's probably so many different things we could talk about here, but what is the one thing that you've learned about, I guess yourself, did you discover a superpower? What's the one thing that you could say about running businesses? Oh man. Um, <laughs> it is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> no. Um, I think as, as far as learning about myself, um, I probably learned how determined I actually am. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have always been, I think, very determined. Yep. and very um, persistent, but you really, really have to be persistent and determined when you are running your own business because you're going to have periods of feast and famine, and you have to know how to get through the periods of famine, especially now um, here in the States where we are going through a recession and people are not spending as much money. You know, art is considered a luxury, Yes. And people are going to come back. They're going to cut back on any of those luxuries. So you have to figure out maybe how to repackage that or how to market it. So, you know, people so that you can find the people who are willing to spend the money. That's great feedback, Paula. Thank you so very much. Now, um, I sometimes, not often, I'll wake up and I'll just want to pull the covers back over my head. When you have those days and you don't really want to roll out of bed and do anything, what, what do you do to motivate yourself? 
So typically, I mean, if I need to take a break, I will take that break. Um, yeah. Because I really feel like we can't always go, go, go. It's For me, it's almost like I'm constantly working. That's the one thing about being an entrepreneur is that um, when are we not working? <laughs> there is always, there's literally always something to be done. And it's hard to almost pull myself away from it um, to take a break because I always feel like it's got to get done, you know. So for me, it was the opposite. What helped me basically was realizing that I'm only going to get maybe two to three things, two to three big things done a day. Um, I'm never going to reach the bottom of my to-do list ever. (laughs) (laughs) So the minute you accept that and just pick out the things that are most important and let everything else go, all of a sudden it feels like you have more time and you don't feel as stressed. But generally, like, if if I really have something I have to get done and I don't feel like doing it, you know, I will say, well, if I can get this done, then I can do this. (laughs) And so... I kind of talk myself <laughs> into it, but usually it's the opposite problem. Now, tell me a little bit about, um, you know, they say the rising tide lifts all ships. Um, with your clients, tell us about how good it makes you feel when you see the trend, uh, the transformation in clients that may be a little bit introverted, like we talked about, to being outgoing and getting great results and seeing the best in themselves. How does it make you feel? I think it really makes me feel valued and I really love seeing um, other entrepreneurs flourish. Like, I think it's important to um, support each other, but we can also, as I said, we can send referrals back and forth to each other. So it's so important to build that network um, of community versus competition. Um, and I just, it, like I said, it, it makes me feel like I have more value because I'm helping them help themselves basically yeah now in terms of uh, client selection who is your ideal client we know they're females typically but is there any characteristics that you're looking for uh, as opposed to others that you're not so much so i am really i really like to work with clients who already have an established following um so in other words they are full-time professional artists but Maybe they're possibly they're struggling with certain things. Like maybe they only need a little bit of help trying to figure out how to license their products or when to license their products, or um, they're dealing with a particularly difficult client and they just need a little bit of help. Or, you know, maybe they're you know they need more help with online marketing versus in person. A lot of um, artists know how to set up at a local craft fair and sell their art. Um, you know, but they post all day on social media and they're not getting enough sales because they don't know who their target client is. Yep. So it's, as I said, it's, I'm, I'm looking for artists that just need a little bit of help, um, yep. maybe either growing their business and getting yep. consistent sales, or they're looking for a little bit more time freedom because they're not really sure how to manage everything. My other type of client, since, <laughs> you know, I also do like fine art, is again somebody that's you know generally they tend to be female they look you know they're a little bit older um they're either looking to collect art or they you know would like art for their home for themselves yes. um, 
it is of themselves and they want to come in for a boudoir session. Mm -hmm. Fantastic feedback. Now, in terms of uh, the latter group, or actually the former group, in fact, do you go about providing, I guess, plans and marketing strategies? What, what's the approach there so that they can walk away and do it themselves? Or how do you go about that side of it? Yeah, so that's a great question. So a lot of times we talk about with like done with you versus done for you work. Mm -hmm. So with a coach, I'm not necessarily, like, I'm helping them um, figure out what they need to do first, and then we can come up with the deliverables. So for example, um, I'm going to be running like, just, uh, just pulling this as an example, I'm running a landing page workshop because I figured out as I talked to some of my local business owners, and it's not just creatives, a lot of people don't even understand what a landing page is and why they even need one for wow, online marketing. Really? So it kind of shocked me to discover this because so many of these businesses are already running like ads or Facebook ads. And I guess I just take it for granted because I've been doing this for years. It's just normal. For so, you. um, so one of the things I'm going to do at this workshop is I am actually going to give them templates and I'm going to tell them like, you know, here's your headline, this is where the body goes, you know, this is where your testimonial goes and your call to action and so forth. And I'm gonna be giving them, I'm gonna be showing them how to create a lead magnet. We're gonna do a lead magnet sales page and we're gonna do a sales landing page. Um, and then from there, I'm gonna go a little bit more in depth, probably in another workshop to teach them, you know, how to do a funnel. And yes. then, you know, I might have somebody, I might have a client that already has a funnel and maybe they just need to figure out what's wrong with that funnel. A bit of refinement. Why it's not yeah, yeah, fantastic. You know, there's certainly another whole episode just talking about the marketing component of what you do, let alone the mindset and all of these things that yeah. we've covered today. Now, tell me, um, you've got a uh, an email um, system as well, the Power Breakthrough Email Session. Tell me a bit yeah. about that. Um, so I offer email coaching um, and I decided to offer that because, or at least as like a try on, because sometimes when you have somebody that's interested or they need a little bit of coaching, they're not necessarily sure if they're the right fit, like if, if we're going to be the right fit, or they don't want to commit to, you know, coaching for X number of months and not be sure that they're going to walk away with the tools that they need. So the email coaching is a way for them to just try out, try me out a little bit. Like, you know, send me a question. What do you need most, the most help with? Yep. And then if I can help them, you know, once through email, or if we need to go a little bit more in depth, you know, we could, we could do further coaching. Absolutely. That's a great start point. You know, that it's certainly very good for those introverted people that might be a little bit timid, a, lot, right. a little bit shy. So definitely a great service. Thank you very much for sharing so much great content on this call today. Go ahead. Um, the other nice thing about doing email coaching like that is if I have a busy professional who maybe doesn't want to take the time um, to set up a time or yep. just need that additional time to articulate what exactly they need help with. Um, some people just really need to sit down and think about it. Yeah, thank you very much for sharing. So again, so much great content on this call. Now, I know that you have a number of websites and you know, from this point on, there's going to be a lot of interested people that are looking to reach out to you. Where are you going to uh, be found and where should they go first? Ah, great question. So I actually have a bio site set up. So just to make it easy, because it's got all my links on there. Yep. So it's bio.site slash 
Paula Cherie, and Cherie is spelled C-H-E-R-I-E. Fantastic. Well, there you go. It doesn't get much easier than that. I love how you've uh, centralized the, I guess, the contact point from which point um, you can reach out to Paula and find out what you need to know to move forward to the next step. Uh, as a client, as a coaching client, no matter what it is, if you reach out to Paula, I'm pretty sure and certain she'll be able to facilitate every, everything that you need to do uh, with your own business uh, and anything else you want to do. So Paula, I just have to say, this has been one of those great conversations. Thank you very much for opening us and joining me on the my future business show today yes thank you so much for having me